Cutting for Sign with Ron Cecil and Daniel Pinnerklein. The bad white men call him the devil. The Yavapai call him eyes like the sky. I consent. He is consented. Oh my gosh, this is uh, Cutting for Sign. You're Daniel Penner Klein, I'm Ron Cecil. Yeah, and that's it, how it works. And it's uh, a gift again to get to see you, to hear you, shoot the shit with you before we get, we started recording. And I just realized, sorry, I cut you off, go ahead. And we have a crazy opportunity today. We're talking to somebody who's considered the best in the world at what they do today. And I and don't it's know not if just I, signing their own name. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever spoken to someone face-to-face in that kind of position. Like, I don't know if I've ever met someone who's considered the top. The best at something? Yeah. Uh, It depends on what that thing is. Like, I've trained in certain martial arts where the leader of that martial art was the best at that martial art. So they were technically the best in the world at something. That's amazing. I guess it does. It depends on how many other people in the world do the thing that we're talking about. And a lot of people rock climb. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a lot more people rock popular. climb than yeah. do the martial art that I was talking about. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. But I was going to say, it's starting to get to the point where we're talking to people who are so interesting that I'm, I thought, you know, I'm still more interested to see your, your ugly mug in the morning. And yeah. I, I, I got to say, <laughs> thanks, man. But it's getting closer. I'm the best at wearing this ugly face. That's the truth. <laughs> uh, no one can do it like me. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Your son's doing a little better job. But <laughs> oh, get this, man. Yesterday, I was uh, I, I, I read to my wife the thing that I sent you. Daniel and I are working on a writing project together. We're just we're just playing some back and forth, little tennis, little word tennis, little pickleball. And uh, I sent uh, I. My wife and my daughter and I were sitting on our couch and I was reading it to uh, them both. And my daughter pipes up and she goes, can I read to you what I read today? And I go, yeah, of course. So she pulls out this journal from school and fucking reads a story about uh, a little girl who's got a best friend who has depression and doesn't tell anybody about the depression and then dies by suicide. And then the okay. little girl is like thinking about all the regrets of like, should I have seen the signs? Should I have like talked to somebody? And Whoa. dude, I was like, holy shit, you're the writer, kiddo. Like, I got, I was like covered in goosebumps listening Seriously. to her write. Like, she has this access to words when she writes that is, um, I'm jealous of, man. And she can, she was also wrote poetry. She had all kinds of poetry written. Wow. I was, okay. I was like, covered in goosebumps and also felt like um i'm not, you know if she wants to she's got this if she wants to write she can fucking write absolutely amazing wow. yeah. it's so interesting too when kids come up with stuff because you just feel like it's a little more honest you know it's less yeah it's less contrived yeah not always right like some adults do that and do that well they don't contrive stuff that comes out really honest and but with kids, it's almost like you kind of always know it is, you know. I'm I'm already excited to see what she writes next. But it also makes me think like 
how much of my own writing is very contrived. <laughs> totally, man. I mean, yeah. But you know what? When you were when you were writing stuff for the writing group, yeah, that was had a nice balance of mm. I thought at least like honest and unintentional metaphors, you know, like remember what one time you were writing that scene with that guy cleaning up the uh, auto shop. Yeah. And he was doing all this stuff with the hose and things. And yeah. this was all gearing up for him essentially, essentially to rape a, ch- a little boy. Yeah. And as I was reading all the like hose play and the cleaning up and the washing things down, I was just like, Oh, something ominous is going to happen, you know? And then we asked you about it and you're like, yeah, I didn't mean to do that you know yeah that's good uh thanks man um god i hope we don't have to apologies to uh our guest for <laughs> talking about such a heavy thing right the front of their show but dude it was yeah 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 oh, i mean it's not like you were doing it you know lightly that's something that it comes from your well like not your story but you know what i mean that's something yeah. that's a personal thing to you so yeah it's a it's a retelling of someone i know i'm sure it wasn't very like fun to write entirely (laughs) i've been man the that's the thing that i think was so great um about writing for you yesterday was that i've been my my book is dark man it's dark as fuck and it's not super pleasant to have to stay in there all the time and getting to play with writing was like a nice fresh like i needed that i realized like oh i need to i need like some cross training in this yes i need to play around and get some other influences and get some other, um, you know, flows moving in different directions. That might be an interesting question for Babsy. We were talking about things that we would be interested in speaking to her with yeah. about, you know, she seems like she's really in the game a lot. What does she do to get out of it? She works that part-time job as a radiologist. That, yeah. that probably does some of the trick. I wonder if part sure. of the reason she carries that job still when I'm assuming she doesn't have to, but maybe she does yeah. is because it's so fucking different and climate that could be that's a good question i i i she strikes me from what i've read about her and what i've looked at her and watched and all those things she strikes me as a person who despite her insane drive despite her you know world-class elite 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 level of fitness and mental strength because i think that's the other key around this like there are legions of climbers who are very strong right like if you would have feats of strength you know, tons and tons of climbers would be, would be as strong or stronger. Right. Yeah. But it's the mental strength that she has, that she's had a long time that set really sets her apart. And that is that, you know, you were sent me a voicemail yesterday about joking about going and making yourself do something you didn't want to do. And you're <laughs> like, isn't that the adult, like it, like isn't that what a, an adult does. And she has that ability, you know, orders of magnitude beyond normal people. It's an interesting point. When you, <clears throat> I do think that one of the things that adults do that an adult psyche does is to do things that they don't want to do. That's easily misunderstood though, because there's a right. shit little people out there doing things they don't want to do. And I would not condone the, what they're doing, you know? Yeah. Like go into a, a job that you hate or something. Like right. That. That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 I know what you mean. I know, and that's a good clarification. I think for this episode is that, there are things in our life that we know we should do. We don't because they're uncomfortable and our life, the quality of our life suffers because of it. As a friend of mine says a thousand percent. Yeah. Hey, here <laughs> it's she so is. True. Yeah. It's so true. I'm going to let her in. Cool. 
Let's talk to Babsy. Go for it, Daniel. Babsy Tsengirl, you are widely regarded as the best female climber in the world and National Geographic's 2019 Adventurer of the Year. You found climbing as a teenager and soon completed an ascent of Pura Vida, the hardest boulder climbed by a woman at that time. At age 19, you herniated a disc in your back. Doctor said you'd never climb again. However, you quit bouldering and switched your focus to rope climbing. Since then, you have become the first woman to complete the famed Alpine Trilogy and completed five of El Capitan's hardest big wall free climbs, including just the second free ascent of Magic Mushroom. On top of that, you work a part-time job as a radiology assistant. And your contemporaries describe you as relentless and tenacious, but also humble, low-key, and unassuming. Alex Honnold, the famed free soloist, said of you, she's so mellow that it's hard to think of her as the best. You believe in genuinely embracing process and adversity in holding yourself to strict climbing ethics, that it's more memorable when you have to work extra for a route and just diving into adventure because people might not know what they're capable of. All right, welcome, Babsy. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm really glad to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Just for all the listeners, it was very difficult for Babsy to hear that because it was way too nice. <laughs> <laughs> a bit too much, maybe. A, a bit, bit too much. much. I don't know about a that. I think, much, uh, I think a lot of people are recognizing something in you that uh, maybe it's better you, you think it's too much. I have a yeah. question. What, um, the, your quote at the end of what Daniel just said, said that um, you, you posed a question. People may not know what they're capable of. Is that, is that something that drives you? Because you are doing things that many, many, many people are not capable of. And yet you have something inside you that's like, this is, can I do this? And do you do it for yourself or do you do it for others? Like, what's that, what's that inspiration for you in there? No, I think I do it for myself. It's more that I think many people could do that. What I'm doing, it's more that uh, the hardest step sometimes is to start trying something yeah. and I also have a lot of setbacks a lot of times and I'm scared on the wall and I have to turn around because I'm too scared to climb for example yeah. and if you overcome these fears and work on yourself then it's just uh, a better feeling and maybe you're also a bit proud of yourself when you can get over your fears and uh, succeed on something, what you thought at the beginning that it's not uh, possible for you. Do you confront uh, that part of you that overcomes fears or do you access that through anything else in your life outside of climbing to the extent that it might even affect your climbing? I think, uh, you know, I think in life you learn a lot about yourself. What I learn in climbing, I can use all the other parts of my life mm. i think uh, you know you know what your limit is, your limits are and you know how far you can uh, take that and this helps you know in a lot of things in life i, I think yeah. it's like having a goal in your mind and you want uh, to reach the goal you can you can see it in your job for example when you work on yourself, uh, you easier reach a goal in your job or in climbing or whatever. It's I think it's a lot about motivation, how much you want to do something and how much you love something, mm. how much fun you have doing something. 
and this you can use for other things in life as well, I think. So I've had I've had some experience climbing. I started climbing in 1997 and um, spent some years mostly sport climbing and bouldering um, and didn't start track climbing until I moved to the UK and actually got to uh, uh, meet uh, Dave McLeod um, right after he had just put up Rhapsody and um, uh, got to coach with him for a day. And most of what we talked about, like he coached me, I hired him to coach me. At the time, Daniel, this guy put up what was considered one of the hardest trad climbs in the world. And um, uh, and a lot of what we talked about was fear. And I realized then, I think I was 28, 27 or 28 at the time, I'm 42 now, um, was like my inability to even step up to the challenge because of how much fear I had. And it took me another 10 years to really step up to some routes that I was like still afraid of. What, what has given you the ability at, young, at a, a young time in your life and then continuously, because I think over time fear, if it's not dealt with, will just keep people from really pursuing those bigger goals. And I, and I don't mean just in climbing, but in anything. Like, did you have a parent that helped you work through that? Did you figure out a system or meditation or something as a young person that helped you deal with fear? No, not really. My, my parents are no, not climbers. And in the past, I only did bouldering. I was just focused in bouldering. And yeah. due to her injury, I got more and more into rope climbing. And through this process, I learned really a lot because I had so much fear starting, like doing the same sport, but huh. another style. Yeah. And for me, it was really hard to take these falls. I didn't have this fear in bouldering even if it was a high ball but falling into the rope was really? such a different feeling yeah really and i i was scared but at the same time i had the feeling it's not um like climbing on rope is not so focused on the on the grade or how hard you can climb it was also like uh the mental part of of climbing especially when you do like longer routes yeah it's a huge part the mental part to climb a, a big wall and this added some extra aspect to climbing, which was really interesting to me. Yeah. For me, I, I don't know if I would have the same motivation uh, for climbing if I would do uh, just bouldering at the moment. Mm. For me, it's mm. really important to change styles. And it's definitely because of having fear and overcome this process. And uh, those routes where I had the most fear uh, the roots are the most memorable roots. Like what? What's a couple of those that you had the most fear on? Uh, I think one of those was our Bella Vista in uh, Trecime in South Tyrol. And that one I turned around, I think, three times. Just really? climbed up to the big roof. Yeah. And it was so scary because when you have falls there, you are so far from the wall that you need tumors to get back oh yeah yeah and you're swinging around and it's just a super super steep roof yeah and this it was super hard to concentrate just on climbing and i couldn't get into the focus to concentrate so i turned around and i didn't even try up there and on the ground i was telling myself why didn't you even try and then i went back home and i was like questioning myself and yeah i gained a lot of motivation to just go back and uh yeah, yeah. try another awesome. time and see if it's better next time 
one of the things that I enjoyed reading about you, and then I watched a couple of the videos on you on YouTube, and uh, it's you're very process oriented. Like, I liked that you tried for a few days, and then you know, you I think you said you used to believe that after a few days, if you still couldn't get a move, you should go home. But instead, you noticed that you were a little bit better at, or you were a little bit closer after three days, and so why don't we put in more time from this place that's now a little closer and it's just a little bit longer term process oriented thinking um and it's something i value quite a bit actually a lot of fit failure you know and i think that failure is not not a bad thing you know and you re- reframe failure very easily into a positive thing and a motivator and i just appreciate that you confront that a lot and then you'll even talk about yeah i literally just got too scared and didn't even try it's like these are all things that everyone does in many aspects of life. And to hear someone who's like potentially one of the best in the world at something or is confronting all of those very human things that everyone else at every other level would still confront. It's very nice to hear. You know what I mean? It's refreshing. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things that uh, is difficult to translate uh, to people who are not in the climbing world is the level of commitment and suffering of uh, uh, someone like you goes through to achieve some of these bigger goals. Someone, I think, calculated that you've spent over 100 days on El Cap alone. That's, you know, uh, a big wall in, in Yosemite Valley that's got some of the hardest free routes in the, in the world on. You've put in the time and the effort. Uh, you just got back from Pakistan this, like, a few weeks ago, right? Or a few months ago? Yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. and um, it sounds like that was a trip that was kind of challenging for you. You you didn't get the route that you had gone down there for. Like, and was, it was, it was my first expedition. Was and, it? Uh, yeah, yeah, and it was, yeah. A, it was really interesting. What's an it expedition? Like, just a longer... Yeah. No, it's a it's a more uh, remote place. So it oh. took us uh, one week from the airport in Islamabad to get okay. to the base camp uh, in Pakistan yeah. at the Trango Towers. So it's already a three days approach oh to get gosh. there. You go there with uh, horses and with a crew, and they put up tents, and then you are in this place um, for. We were there for five weeks, and the goal was to try the route eternal flame it's uh at the, the peak the summit is at uh, 6250 meters so it's higher altitude and never i never climbed in this altitude before mm-hmm. so for me it was definitely something new and also it was kind of uh, hard to see how your body works at this altitude yeah. and uh, we still had to climb hard you know at uh, 5000 meters to climb a 7c is uh, very different compared to climbing a 7c at uh, a thousand meter altitude and yeah and also with the weather conditions we had a quite hard time because it was never perfect so it, most of the time it, it was like minus 10 degrees strong oh wind like fresh snow and we went up this gully it's a five hour approach i think 10 times <laughs> oh my god one, one time we climbed two pitches and and this was the only day we climbed that that route we wanted to do <laughs> so you so did a five hour approach and you had to do it 10 times or did 10 I times understand? she spent more than a work a week a week's worth of work in a gully, a frozen ass gully in Pakistan. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's fucking gangster. I think uh, 
I think if all we talked about was the suffering, the rest of this thing, like we would all realize like how little we actually suffering we actually deal with. Yeah, we carried up all the heavy gear. Yeah. The first days, you know, and you do the acclimatizing the first days. And then at the end of the trip, we carried all the stuff down again because we didn't use the food. We didn't use the gear. Oh, we didn't use the ropes. What? So it was, uh, no, it, it was just not possible. The cracks were always frozen and the oh, wall was, yeah. it was not in. in so does that, does that motivate you to come back or does that make you like distaste expeditions or are you <laughs> now like, like man, I, I kind of want that a bit more? No, we left all the stuff there, so we will go back oh. next year. Okay, okay. <laughs> and hope for for better conditions. Yeah. Well, I'll cross my fingers and toes for you too. That's amazing. And did you do that with your uh, one thing we were talking about before, like through email a little bit? Was that your partner is also a climber, and you've been together for quite a while, right? Was he on that trip with you? Yeah, we were together on this yeah. trip. Yeah, if you want to speak a little bit about um, what it's like to be involved in such an intense passion with a partner also, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I think it's a really cool thing to, to share a passion with, with your love. You know, this Jacopo is the, the partner I trust the most in, mm. which makes things definitely easier in climbing. We trust each other a lot, and then you can take a bigger risk as well. And uh, yeah, you share all the good moments together. You share a lot of bad moments together. And Wasn't your first date like? Didn't you kind of go for a climb and things went a little pear shaped? And yeah, yeah, you it, knew you were like, yeah, I think I can get along with this person. Yeah, this was a hard day. We were in Marmalata South Face. It's a 800 meter wall, and we got lost at the end of the wall, and we thought that we can. Uh, get the lift back down at 4 p.m. But we were in the wall oh. at, at 8 p.m. And uh, yeah, it was too cold to sleep. And then we decided to ripple down all the wall. It was about 27 pitches to ripple down. And the belays were not the best. So there you sometimes have uh, rusty pitons and it's not, it's not what you really want to do in this wall. But uh, it was... Yeah, I thought that our only option because sleeping up there was felt too cold. And this was a good uh, test already for our relationship. Oh my God, first day. <laughs> I got to say, to translate that to, to normal folks, like what they did is fucking dangerous as hell coming back down and um, really bonding probably, right? Because you guys are like in the middle of like serious, um, like, you know, risk land and you had to really trust each other in that in that deal. Were you guys also occasionally uh, simul repelling, or were you all, were the were the rusty pitons too bad to even put no, that no, much weight on? No, no, we never did this. sometimes Jacopo went first, sometimes I went first, and yeah. we got lost on the wall, and we had to reclimb the traverses oh, so of bad. this, oh my God. Of yeah. this route. Yeah. And Ooh. his his German was not the best. And we got super tired and it was even hard to talk oh, to each other. Oh, no. oh my God. Uh, <laughs> mother language is Italian and my mother language is uh, German. So uh, it was really <laughs> somehow funny experience, but at the same time, it was uh, serious. And um, yeah, we didn't have any fight and Jacopo stayed super calm in the 
in this situation as well. Wow. So it was, uh, it never felt, um, you know, nobody was freaking out. Uh, good. <laughs> I saw the video of, of you guys going to Scotland together and climbing the Barton Rock and you doing mm -hmm. the second ascent of the first uh, E10 in Scotland. And uh, I forget the name of the route. I or um, Aframein. Okay, yeah. So, so Daniel, that was put up by the guy that I mentioned earlier, Dave uh, McLeod, and uh, had is not. That the, is that the one they're doing all the, the quarry mine? No, uh, this was earlier in, in her career, a few, a few years ago, I think. Okay. And um, but what stood out to me about that climb was watching uh, your partner, like watch you as he was belaying you as you're doing the final like 12 or 13 meter run out. And which means like the, she is, she's far above her last piece of gear and it's, it's a pretty sketchy yeah. fall potential. Yeah. And, uh, and you mentioned in the video that he was kind of mad at you uh, watching you do that yet. Yeah, it's, it, does it also feel like you have a little bit more power or a little bit more uh, yeah, bravery he... with him around? On this trip, he climbed Rhapsody, and yeah. this is a much bigger it's like the fifth, <laughs> the fifth, uh, the fifth ascent, right? He did. Yeah, I I, I don't know if it was the fifth, but he yeah. yeah, he did it, and this was even a bigger run out and uh, yeah. more scary than the route I did. I on Achimain, I had a very good protection, so I mm. fall into a bomber gear. Yeah, and the fall uh, was a huge fall. But not uh, not very dangerous. So <laughs> what's what's huge? Would be like fifty feet. Um, it was about when you fall at the crux. It was about ten meters or twelve meter fall. It was not yeah. more. And after the crux, uh, you should not fall. But it's also much easier. So when you work the route before in top rope, then it's always a different game because you already know what comes next and you yeah. know mm. the moves so i was sure that i will not fall uh after the hard part yeah this makes it more so how do you okay guys to do that um i'm sorry to interrupt you um you guys climb a lot together right you, i mean you're climbing weekly hanging out all you live together this is like your you know normal life as as partners do you guys try to spend time apart yeah, of course. You you know, we spend so much time together. Most yeah. of the projects we are doing together. Is that why and you keep if... your radiology job? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's also a reason. <laughs> we definitely have to do sometimes uh, different things and apart from each other. It's, I think, important for a healthy relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Don't spend 100% yeah. time all together. That's amazing. So sometimes I climb with my sisters and I go mm. on holiday trip with my sister and sisters. Mm. And at the moment, for example, he's in Valdiorco uh, for dread climbing and oh, I'm really? around home to yeah. climb with my sisters. So yeah. Oh, it's awesome. also often like that. So you you come from a family of of pretty strong climbers, right? Like you have a you have siblings that are all some of them are strong climbers. You're one of five, is that right? Yeah, we have five. Yeah, I, I have two brothers and two sisters, uh -huh. and uh, the two sisters are climbers. One is a beginner, my younger sister, and my older sister started at the same time when I started climbing. Yeah, started together, and my brother, my older brother, uh, took us the first time uh, nice. to the gym, and there we started. Yeah. Well, I, 
Go ahead, Daniel. No, you're all right. I was gonna say, I, I, what year did you start climbing? How? Right. What, what year? What year was it when you started climbing? Uh, it was, I think, 2001. Amazing. I, when I started climbing, I thought I was, I thought I was going to be good. I was like, I was convinced for at least a year that I was going to be good until I realized I was not good. <laughs> no, no, that's for sure not true. Yeah, but Ron, hold on real quick. Let's yeah. tease that out. Yeah. Because that kind of language is kind of like, okay, you're being humble. I get that. But you would never say that to someone else. Like you would say, never say like, no, you're not good. So what do you mean by good? What do you really mean by good and not good? I mean, my probably the, the, the number one thing is I didn't have the mental capacity, like the mental fortitude to, to, to climb as bravely as I, as I wanted to. And I've been able, I've never been able to break through that. Like I've done, you know, some okay climbs and, and, but that mental toughness that um, she, I mean, you're not really haven't talked about it that much and you're kind of gliding over some of those difficulties, but the, but what is really required to like, to be a really good climber is. When you say good, you mean professional. Is that what you're talking about? I mean, like no, I wouldn't even climber. say professional. Like I, like I, for me, I always wanted, when I started climbing, I wanted to be a strong trad climber. In other words, I wanted to climb over 512 on trad gear. That was like my goal. And, um, and I was never able to achieve that goal. I was never able to do it is, is I climbed, uh, I bouldered kind of that level. I sport climbed kind of that level. I, I top roped, you know, a little bit harder than that, but, but real trad climbing on that, I was never able to do my mind could not, I could never get my nervous system to obey my desires. <laughs> I would get up, I would get in locations and my body would start shaking and it was embarrassing. I mean, it was like, you know, not fun. And, and, um, and honestly, it's kind of a, a reason I've like let it fall away from my life because I, I, the last time I climbed, um, Babsy was in, 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 um, uh, two years ago in 2019 and I did the regular round and half to him. Um, and Wait. And I was like, but, I'm done. <laughs> Not really. But, yeah, but go ahead. Did you have a comfort zone, like climbing a bit easier, where you felt comfortable with the with the fear, or was it always when you put put on to, your shoes and your tread gear, you were scared to? Good. I mean, that's a good question. I I I've been as afraid on like five eight runouts, bolted runouts, and like Joshua Tree. You know, like those. Mm -hmm long routes that have don't have a lot of bolts in between them and and that was seemed as scary as anything to me and and my brain could just never I could never get into the flow state you know what I mean mm -hmm. and um where I see climbers who can like will their body into action into not just action but to into like um uh, there's there is skill being executed there is intelligence being executed and i could never get out of like my reptilian brain fight or flight or freeze thing and it was always just on the cusp of the outside of that if i was able to do anything and 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 i finally got finally realized i had to stop being mad at myself for it like i i just was like okay that's just what i am and i'm i gotta be okay with that because i've i don't want to live with any regrets in my life mm. my, my sister is also really scared in in climbing even yeah. it's rock climbing she's super scared yeah and most of the time i put up a top rope for her sure and now she's climbing now for two years 
And uh, now she's paid to lead a 6A and uh -huh. she can climb 7A. And nice. uh, for her, the best solution was just try the hard routes on top rope and uh, try the easy routes on lead. And she also had the feeling that uh, she was feeling so bad about herself mm. that she didn't have fun yeah. climbing yeah. on lead. Totally. And then I also had yeah. the feeling that maybe it's better for her to just don't do it. Yeah. Climb on top rope and have fun. Have fun, yeah. Rope. You don't have to, you know. You yeah. can also enjoy climbing in a different way. And now, at the beginning, she never thought that she will lead a 6A ever. Oh. And now, today, she lead it uh, one 6A. Plus she did today? Yeah. Oh, today. congrats to her. That's amazing. That's <laughs> yeah, so good. So, cool. <laughs> so Ron, Ron, what would be like if you were to reinvent your relationship with climbing and let's just mm. assume at some point in time in your life, you would, Yeah. what, what might that look like? Cause, and, and let me, let me preface this actually just a yeah. little bit. I used to be a distance runner and like pretty extreme distance runner, not professional or anything like that, but pretty, pretty extreme ran for my college, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't do it right. I abused my body and mm. I've used my mind and I, I kind of know what I would do if I were to redo it. Mm. But I also have reinvented my relationship with running now to fit my life. Mm -hmm. And the body that I created partially via doing all yeah. of that abusive running. So I'm kind of curious what it would look like, maybe if it can check all the boxes it possibly can without being something that would really take away from your life. You know what I mean? That's a good question. I think I'm, I've been falling in love with distance running. Like, you know, more, you know, anytime I go run for like more than an hour, like an hour or two. And I like that. I liked climbing half dome in the sense that I liked the all day fitness that was required and all the different skills that were required. And, and I think if I get back into it, I will be more focused on like, um, you know, moving fast in the mountains and just enjoying being out there rather yeah. than the pure difficulty. And, you know, I mean, I was pulling on gear all up and down that route, you know, like I wasn't interested in trying to free climb that thing. I was just trying to go fast. And, and that gave me some, that actually gave me some freedom to just enjoy myself and be outside rather than compare myself to some skill level that I just couldn't, couldn't do. I mean, for honestly, one of the things that happened was not on that climb, but in my climbing career is like, I would really focus on, let's say like some kind of fitness and then I would get injured. And I, cause I, I didn't have the restraint to, to ease, keep it eased back. And I fought shoulder injuries and, and tendonitis and finger injuries so much that it, it, I, and I did it to myself. I knew I shouldn't have pushed myself as often as I did, but I would. And, and I think that's another thing that is, is amazing about, uh, um, you Babsy is that you somehow have this like either intuition or education or both where you've been able to maintain this level of fitness and mental stability strength to, to really push yourself. Like are, how conscious of you are that are around this? Are you, keeping a journal of like your food and recovery and all those things like is it systematic or is it just intuitive no there is not no system at all but it mm. would be better to have a system <laughs> it's it's just i have some time i climb 10 days in a row mm. and i should make a rest day but i don't do it and then you climb every day worse and worse and worse, but I just want to check out a lot of different cracks okay. and I still enjoy it and climb a little bit easier because I know I don't have enough power left for hard routes. And for me, it's a lot. I have the times where I need easy climbing. Yeah. And I don't want to have a project. And then I have 
times where I want to focus on a project and invest a lot of time to, to do this project. But it's not all the time like this. I also have uh, times where I'm less motivated for climbing and times where I'm more motivated for climbing. And for me, it helps the most to, to change styles of climbing. So mm-hmm. I really like yeah. to to sport climbing because it's so simple you don't need much gear yeah and red climbing you need much gear if you do a big wall it's uh it can be a big mess with everything yeah. you know haul bags and uh board the ledge and it's a huge adventure to me but i also like the simplicity of bouldering or sport climbing mm. and i have to to change and uh, do everything to keep my motivation high all the time and i don't have a system and with you know with eating i try to eat healthy yeah but i really like sugar and I <laughs> chocolate and i eat a lot of bad stuff as well and i love coffee and maybe i drink too much coffee <laughs> but when i would uh, you know when i uh, would not allow myself to be flexible in eating mm. and to eat everything, then I would have probably have less motivation for climbing. I oh, I can't imagine to, yeah. It would be hard for me to have a diet and to yeah. try to be as light as possible and still have the same mind and uh, be the same motivated for, for projects. I think you need to find your own balance. Yeah. Is, uh, what works I'm, for yourself. I'm really glad to see that in the climbing world. I know Beth Rodden has spoken a lot about it and other climbers are starting to speak out loud about it. And that is the is the obsessiveness that can come with the ultra level of fitness and climbing ability. Like it also comes with this, sometimes the added weight of needing or wanting or the feeling of needing to be light and the, food, and the eating disorders that happen around that. Ooh. And um, it was really bad, I'd say, in the 80s and early 90s, and it's starting to taper off. But I know that it's still it's still been in that climbing world. And, and I'm glad to hear that that's not um, something you've struggled with and given you, you've given yourself the, the freedom to eat intuitively and enjoy yourself. That's great. Babziba, um, I know you asked us to keep it to 30 to 40 minutes when yeah. we're on that time before we lose it's, you. It's okay. You're okay. Okay. Yeah. If you get tired, you can give give us the like the signal and you were done. We <laughs> no, 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 no. Drag you out. It's in just, this. you know, my, my English is not the best, and I was a bit scared that uh I have some troubles <laughs> to talk. This is long. like uh this but, is like 5A climbing for you. This you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, I was curious uh, when we were reading the intro uh, and we were kind of discussing, you know, if you checked off on it, you mentioned there's a lot of other women, particularly uh, that are doing a lot of amazing climbing. And I just wanted to know if you wanted to speak to anything around, um, around that. Yeah, I think there are many, many women out there who are extremely strong, way stronger than I am. And uh, also with the next generation, what's mm. coming, you know, you see so many yeah. very young climbers who already climb uh, harder than most of the older generations. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, this, is, this is amazing. And I think, um, you know, there are some styles of climbing where uh, less women doing that, for example. I think there are not so many 
women who are doing big walls compared to sport climbing or bouldering. Yeah. But uh, I think in the future it will be different and uh, mm. more people in general will experience that you um, can find so much more in climbing. It's not about sending a hard route. Sometimes it's just about to have a great adventure and you can have a great adventure also in an easy climb which can be super challenging because it's scary, for example, or because it's uh, it's long and you have to carry all your sleeping stuff up there and uh, being in a nice place. And this can uh, give you the same, I think, it can really give you the same than uh, succeeding on a hard route. Yeah. And, and also when you, I sometimes have the, the problem when you run from project to project, you don't even see the things around and mm. in climbing you can experience mm. so so much cool easy routes mm. and uh, i have to say when you go to a wall sometimes it's just best better to choose the the best looking line yeah it's most of the time better than the one which has the perfect grade what is in your mind for example mm. what do you want to reach or so do you feel like a, a leader in the climbing community in any way? No, no, not at all. I don't, I don't do <laughs> if someone tried to hand you the baton of leadership, would you just drop it? You're like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, I would drop it probably. Because I was Those thinking, I was usually thinking, uh, go good ahead, things Daniel. for a leader yeah. to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Usually, yeah. leaders don't really want to do it, but they probably be. That good makes at. you the the default leader. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. sometimes. I think I, I think um, what you're exemplifying in your climbing career is is you're um, you're not running from difficult things and hard things, and you're running towards adventure. And and as you're talking about that generation coming up underneath you, like uh, I know, I mean, I started climbing in the '90s in in a place in the country that had very few climbers, and I was desperate for. Oops, sorry, I was desperate for mentorship and and i would find it every once in a while and it would accelerate my climbing a good amount are you finding yourself leading young women or young climbers and in, in your part of the world or globally or people who might be you know climbing with some of the same uh, brands that you climb with are you willing to step into that space and help mentor the next generation for me it's uh, kind of hard to see that i think i'm a normal climber as uh, anybody else around home and around home there are a lot of strong climbers as well and uh, yeah but I definitely see that uh, the younger generation sometimes they go climbing together with uh, younger girls and uh, younger people and uh, I'm always like to get them into uh, alpine climbing and uh, do some multi-pitch climbing because we have so many beautiful routes around uh, Tirol and Vorarlberg and it's always nice to see that I can get somebody psyched on the route <laughs> I already did. I, I, I really like that. Well, I, I made my wife and my daughter watch some of your climbing videos last night. And um, uh, my daughter, who's nine, uh, was enthralled and very excited about watching you. And my wife uh, uh, is afraid of heights. And so she's just getting afraid watching you climb. And she's like, Oh, I can't even, I can't even do this. (laughs) She, when we first got together, she's from Oregon and, um, and I, uh, begged her to take me to Smith rock when we first started dating. 
and uh, we went to Smith Rock and she's like, I want to do this with you. And I, I took her to an easy multi-pitch route and um, no, it was, wasn't even multi-pitch. It was just an easy route. And I soloed to the, to the anchor to set up a top rope for her and then, um, and then belayed her from the top. And, and before I took off to climb, she looked at me and she looked at me right in the eye and she like either grabbed my shoulders or my head or something. And she goes, <laughs> I love you. And, and I was like, <laughs> love you. And, and, right and, and where we were standing, where we were standing is before I even started climbing is, is high above the river uh, that is below Smith rock. So it feels high. Your brain feels like you're up yeah. high, even though you're still on the ground. So I take off and I put her on belay and she climbs up to it and she, comes to the top of the ledge like her whole body shaking elbows and knees and <laughs> and everything gets there and I and I was not thinking at that moment that this person my wife was extreme well my girlfriend at the time like was really afraid and she needed to be soothed she needed to be told it was safe and she was going to be okay and all those things and I just like didn't catch any of that stuff and was kind of a jerk like I wasn't that pleasant <laughs> well, and she has never climbed with me again. <laughs> you should be really thankful that twice. that wasn't your first date, like it was with Babsy. I know, seriously. <laughs> dude, yeah, hit the ejector seat on me, big time, big time. Um, there's something else I wanted to ask you before we let you go, Babsy. Um, this is from one of my best friends and my earliest climbing partners, uh, Dan Urban. Dan, I love you, buddy. I hope you're listening to this. Uh, Dan and I started climbing together. He was 19, I think. And he's, um, he's now in his, he's now 39 and he lives in Bishop. And, um, I said, Hey, do you have any questions for Babsy? Cause he still climbs. He's a really good climber. And, uh, he joked and said, um, uh, does she have any beta for, uh, everything is karate near Bishop? Because I don't even know if you remember that route. But apparently you, you and your uh, partner came in and just like crushed it in short order. And he he's about to leave Bishop in December. And he wants to get on it. And uh, he's a, he's a little afraid. I don't know if he's afraid to get on it or just thinks it's in over his head. But if you got any if you got any advice for Dan, let me know. <laughs> yeah, it's a super good route. And uh, for me, it was the hardest a Richie move at the at the end. So it helps if you are tall. Is he tall or is He's he tall? Yeah, yeah. Okay, then then he will do it. <laughs> he's gonna do it. All right, you said it. Then he's gonna do it. That's fantastic. That's great. But there's a specific move at the end that you're talking about. Yeah, I I had to do to take uh, intermediate with uh, my middle finger. Let's check wow. one little edge and then go again. And this was the crux move for me at, at the very top. You, you think but if you were taller, you wouldn't have had to use that one mono to bump up? Yeah, you could put it uh, straight up, like all the way directly okay. to, the, to this hold. Amazing. And Amazing. Yeah, that was the... Babsy, do you know, uh, do you know Timmy O'Neill? I know him, of course, but I never uh, personally met him. You've never called him? No, I only uh, saw all his videos, you know. Yeah. He's always the very funny guy of all the, all He's hilarious. Videos. Yeah. I'm just curious because we're I'm just curious. This might be a stupid question, but was one of the reasons you agreed to be on here was because he was on here? Just out of curiosity. 
Yeah, and he told me that he was uh, doing that for you. And really? And yeah, yeah, he told me. And because he was like uh, texting me on uh, on social media, and also with this um, event was going on in in Yosemite Valley right yeah. now. And oh. I am, yeah, of course, I. I, I really like all the characters, like the, the yeah, generation yeah, yeah. Of, of Yosemite. And for me, it's yeah. always cool to um, meet these people. People doesn't matter if it's in real or uh, on texting. And yeah. I mean, with your, your, um, nice with your achievements in Yosemite, I'm surprised you haven't been turned into an honorary rock monkey or, or a stone master out there. Yeah, yeah I, I met a few of them. Yeah. And Django, Django Chuck. Yeah, you met Django. Yeah, this was uh, this was pretty funny. This was. uh, (laughs) Is I didn't know you're still uh, haunting around Yosemite. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, he's always he was there. I think three years I met him. The last year when I was there, it was 2019. I didn't uh, met him anymore, and it was always in the in the food court and not uh, slack climbing or climbing <laughs> but so, it was uh, really cool to see him daniel there's a there's a guy named chongo who was like this like resident metaphysical monk that some would call homeless but he's just lived in the valley on and off for decades and kind of started the slacklining extravaganza that's been going on for the last 20 years and um has like written on all kinds of things from climbing to metaphysics and um and is like you know he's kind of the sage the sage of Yosemite Valley in some ways hmm. yeah uh curious fellow I just have to ask another question uh your uh, radiology job I'm just curious why you anchor that that thing down why do you keep that because uh uh, I really like it and I need to have something next to climbing and this yeah. is where I have the feeling I do something useful for mm. other people <laughs> and uh, I enjoy to get out of this climbing bubble and to talk to people who are not related to climbing at all yeah. so when I'm at my job I don't talk about climbing at all Yeah, and I really like the the yeah, this part of my life to have something else and something completely different. I couldn't have a job uh, in climbing. Uh, like Jacopo is doing, for example, a uh, route setting. For me, it would be really hard to find uh, motivation for climbing if I would have huh. a job which is uh, connected with climbing. So oh, interesting. This is the best way to have a balance. Does that feel weird to to come, you know, for instance, you're coming back from your expedition from Pakistan, being in in one of the, you know, the most famous um, big, like, climbing, like, Trango Towers is, you know, wild, like, super wild. And does your body have a, or does your mind have, like, a a disconnection when you come back to reality and you're going back to work and, and you're thinking, like, you know, a number of hours ago, I was in a frozen gully, or it was. It took us a week to come out of there. <laughs> you know, how does your your mental state fluctuate coming in and out of that those realities? Yeah, it's it's really, and for me, it's a good feeling to have mm. this uh, this in my life. It's always nice to come back home and to have uh, 
to get up at six in the morning, go to my job and yeah. do a normal job, do a 24 hour <laughs> shift. Don't talk about climbing. Don't talk about this gully. I have it in my mind, but uh, yeah. when I'm there, I try to don't speak mm. about that. Mm. It's just different. different See, Ron, it's like, it's like you and I talking about our alter egos, right? we like have this other part of yeah. ourselves that can live. And I, I mean, I'm joking a little bit, Babsy, but you know, it, I think there's some wisdom there, you know, obviously uh, in compartmentalizing parts of your life, but also making that other compartment, like, you know, you don't have, I'm I'm assuming you don't have to do that. Um, Maybe you do, but a lot of people don't um, have to do that other thing that they need to do. And I just think it's cool when you do that. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's good for the motivation because Mm. for me, I don't like uh, to be on the road all year long. I mm. lose motivation when I do that. Mm. And for me, it's always important to come back home to gain motivation and go to work and then gain my motivation and uh, making up new dreams, new plans, and then go for it after I have to work. It sometimes it can be stressful because it's always like coming home next day shift and then right. <laughs> uh, finishing, finishing the work and then I'm gone uh, doing something completely different. But radiology is taking x-rays or is it x-rays, MRIs, all kinds of stuff? What is it that you do? I'm just curious. It's a computer tomography and the normal uh, emergency x-ray. Oh, okay. So, you know, CT, computer tomography? Yeah. And also MRI, CT scan or MRI. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's mostly everything and yeah, a lot of accidents, you know, in winter, it's all about the ski accidents in summer. It's all about the biking accidents. Uh-huh. Have you accidents. ever helped a person who had a climbing, a break from climbing <laughs> or a CT from climbing? Have you ever done that? What do you mean? Sorry. Like, it did, has anyone ever come in with a broken something and had to get something scanned because of climbing? A I mean? lot of times. Really? <laughs> do you tell, do they recognize you? Sometimes people asking me, I have to check my fingers. My fingers getting bigger and bigger. And do you think x-ray would make sense? And I say, no, but we could make one. <laughs> and then I make an x-ray and then you see it's, the fingers are big, but it's not the bones, you know? <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. And sometimes, uh, yeah, you know, most of the time when there is a climbing accident, Sometimes uh, the climbers call me before they're coming to the hospital. And ask oh, really? Cool. I'm That's there. Cool. Yeah. yeah. But most of the time I'm not there. <laughs> I was going to say, you seem like, sorry, real quick. Uh, you seem like the type of person that if a climber came in and didn't recognize you, you probably wouldn't tell them who you were. No, never. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm kind of jealous of you of your humility. My ego would just she's be like, like bubbling out of me. <laughs> well, plus it would probably make that person's whole year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you, are you interested in in talking about climbing injuries like Dave McLeod is? You know, I know he's written a lot about climbing injuries and climbing physiology and and all that. Is that an interest of you of talking about training and and prehab and rehab and all those things? No, no, not not really. I think it's for everybody so different yeah. to approach an injury. And for me, 
I, with my back in, injury, I was struggling for more than five years and it's still Jeez. sometimes a problem. Wow. And I did all these uh, exercises which are important and I went to a lot of different um, guys who wanted to help. I tried out everything, mm. but at the end it was more um, stepping back and do yeah. nothing for yeah. a very long time and then get back to climbing and uh, I used climbing as a therapy mm. with doing rope climbing just stop roping yeah and this was the first time where where I had the feeling my back is getting better and I had to stop bouldering completely at this time yeah. and at this stage for me it would have been really hard to find the way back to bouldering I tried it for five years and and it was just not enjoyable because yeah. you know, the pain was always there. And then I really had to take this uh, step and, and do something else. And this was the solution. So sometimes it depends on the injury, but sometimes I just think, uh, yeah, sometimes two, you it's two better more questions. to don't yeah, go ahead. do much exercises and don't focus too much on your yeah. injury sometimes. It's easy to do something different for yeah. a certain time and then absolutely yeah that's very that's varied why. movements like having a very like i look at movement as a diet a lot of times mm. and i have the key for me in my brain at least the way i was wired uh is like i'll get upset i used to get obsessive about a movement mm. you know and so distance running which is high impact and very intoxicating was terrible for me because I got addicted to something that if you did a lot of it was mm. going to hurt your body. And in my life, uh, had part of my life story has been that, uh, learning to vary my movement. And so getting into different, like into yoga and into dance and into just different mode, uh, mobility movements. And, and like, I recently got into a pretty gnarly bicycle accident and I, cracked my skull and had a terrible concussion and I tore my shoulder up and I knew that I had to come uh down to California home I knew I had to move after that which is a whole nother story but the reason is because it's warm here and I knew that I would play baseball and basketball and I would swim and I would do all of these different things and it worked I ended up varying my movement and and I like healed you know, so I like that you've spoken about that a couple of times. I'm really a proponent of a varied movement diet throughout life. Mm. Yeah. Do you um, practice any kind of uh, meditation or any kind, any other practices for um, re um, reflection or mental growth or, or mental stability or spiritual health? No, I tried meditation. <laughs> because mother is really into meditation okay and she tried to teach me a little yeah to get into it but no chance <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. hard yeah it's yeah hard. it's very hard it's very hard I think no it would chance be, it would be very good but for me it's hard to to stop thinking and yeah, yeah it's it's not easy Maybe I should try again. <laughs> ah, maybe, maybe. I don't know how much it is about stopping thinking as it is observing your thoughts. Mm. Just a little side note. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's probably true. That's great. 
Well, uh, what are you looking forward to in the next uh, seasons? Are you going into winter climbing mode, which is just sport climbing, or are you doing some ice climbing or more alpine climbing? Or are there even bigger projects looming maybe in 2022 beyond Pakistan? Yeah, in winter, we, most of the time we stay around home in winter because we also enjoy skiing. We mm -hmm. have a big ski resort close to home, the Adelberg region. And there we do a lot of uh, backcountry skiing, ski touring, which we really enjoy. And we combine this with training. So the, the winter season is for us always the training season. Yeah. And we spend a lot of time in the gym. And um, yeah, after after this, um, yeah, I think in spring I want to go sport climbing. Mm. In summer we will go to Pakistan, which will be a big project again. And uh, we have a route in mind in uh, Val di Mello. It's uh, in it's called the Little Yosemite. It's mm. uh, it's in Italy. And it's uh, also a big wall. It's about, uh, I think, 800 meters high. And uh, there is an age route. We want to try to to see if it's possible to free climb. Yeah. What is sport climbing? You mentioned that several times. What is sport climbing for the lay people out here? Sport climbing is climbing in a climbing crack. Uh, routes between um, 15 to 30 meters high and you you clip bolts and uh yeah it's, uh, so it'd be like bouldering then sport climbing then big walls that would kind of those are all bigger than the one before them bouldering mm -hmm. small then sport exactly. climbing okay yeah something like that that's amazing well Bazzi, thank you so much we'll let you go we thank you um, thank you for your time like this has been a, a huge gift and i'm um truly inspired by your lifestyle and your accomplishments and and yeah. um it it makes me realize it goes back to your quote you know your the quote that daniel read from you at the beginning which is like kind of prompts the curiosity of what are we capable of if we really tried hard and yeah. um and that's a journey i've been on for the last couple of years of really pushing myself into more and more difficult things and it's only been it's only paid dividends it's only been good so i, I appreciate that we need folks like you showing the regular folks that it's like cool things are achievable if you're able to push yourself a bit. Yeah, Babsy, we call this podcast cutting for sign and it's a metaphor that just basically means looking for the signs along our journey through life that are meaningful and that guide us to a better version or expression or experience of ourselves. And for me, every time we have someone on here, I, I usually find something just the selfish part I me. Mean, I hope I'm providing that also, but I, I, I'm also got a, a lookout for myself. And when I was watching you work on that, on that one wall where the quarry, they've got the quarry right behind it. That was really well filmed, by the way, where they showed this beautiful wall and then the drone pans to the other side and the things being fucking eaten away by this mining operation. That was dramatic. But then you, it shows you going up and it shows a little bit of your process and it does a really good job of showing how, how much you have invested every time you climb and fall, you know, you're really losing a lot of ground yeah. and then you have to start again, but you have to start again with less energy. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm assuming, but it reminds me of, of, uh, of like that nice line in that um, poem, if by Rudyard Kipling, where he says, if you can stoop and build the, if you can stoop, uh, I'm going to butcher it, but the gist is, 
Um, if you can lose the things that you've given your life to and then stoop and build them up again with worn out tools, you know, mm -hmm. that's like a really huge part of being an adult and having a successful life. And I just have become more and more um, aware that life is a process, that it's okay to fall, that when I'm falling, that's not failure, that's a step towards success depending on how I respond and just like this long slow progression instead of a quick success and I really value that value when people do that and are proponents of that and it just seems like that's part of your jam and one of the reasons you're so successful and it's it's yeah, meaningful I, to me I think you have to enjoy the process otherwise the whole thing is not uh, really enjoyable when you only focus on the on the goal, on the yeah, the peak. Right. Yeah, well yeah. said, well said. Great, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Um, we'll reach thank out you. to you when we get this posted. But until then, thank yeah. you so much. Really appreciate everything you've done, and keep keep shredding. Thank you. Great okay. to talk to you. Yeah, yeah you it was well. awesome. Take, Take care, care. Babsy. Bye bye. Have a good day. Ciao ciao. <laughs> ciao ciao. <laughs>
but because he's not the first ascensionist or any of those things, like it, it, he kind of gets pushed aside. And I thought, holy shit, like, I don't know how the spotlight's not on this guy more too. And especially them as a power couple, because they're what they've done together is like, that doesn't happen very often. I can only think of one other couple that, that has gone through something similar in the climbing world. I mean, they are, they are truly special in their ability and in their connection like that. It's really, really, really rare. And so cool. I wonder if there's stuff that she's done that he can't, he couldn't do. Uh, why didn't we ask her that? I know that's pretty, <laughs> <laughs> I bet there is. If I had, if I had to guess, I yeah, there is. Uh, maybe, maybe so. I know that, uh, maybe the, not. I don't know. I mean, he's, he is dude. He is a very, very good climber, very strong, capable climber. I mean, he, she was kind of trying to uh, show us an example of that by speaking on uh, their trip to Scotland. And, and there's two, these Dave uh, McLeod routes that are right next to each other on this like weird rock in the middle of uh, this giant town in Scotland. And he put them both up. They were unrepeated for years. And, um, and I mean, the funny thing is, is like the, his quote unquote hardest one has seen more ascents than like the other one that she did. She's only done that. She did the second ascent. In other words, he's climbed it once. No one else has than she yeah. did it. And then the other route, which her boyfriend or partner, I think it was like third, fourth or fifth guy on there, but it's, it's slightly technically harder. You know, you need a bit more strength or reach or whatever. Um, but she was, I don't know if you saw the video on that one, but she said she was too scared to try it. And that's the other thing I love about her is that she talks about fear. So kind of the way um, Timmy talked about failure, like she's not afraid of it. She's not afraid to talk about it. She's really comfortable with her experience with it. And I think that's, if, if I had to answer your story again, or answer your question again about how I would reestablish my relationship with climbing, I would recognize that fear is a part of it. And I would like, try to find out how to welcome that in my life more yeah yeah and you might sorry you say more? i mean I, I mean i'm just thinking about all the other stuff i'm doing in my life like it's it's required me to lead in fear lead out in fear i think that you're taking an, a subconscious break that feels like potentially a permanent break from climbing but it but something that's also going on whether you return to it or not yeah <clears throat> is that you're addressing other aspects of your life that, and maybe you're addre- addressing the same aspects from other angles, mm. like fear, that yeah. when you, if and when you return to climbing or anything else you haven't done for a long time, you would probably be a better climber in some ways having not climbed. And I believe when people practice several different things or they keep practicing the sort of inward adventure we're all on, we're growing up emotionally, we're adjusting our beliefs, our thought patterns, our habits. If we do that, we can take long breaks from things we're passionate about mm-hmm. and not be leaving it behind. We're still, we're still essentially working on it. If you return to it and you adjust and you, and you approach it honestly again, and you, you might, you might find that like, for example, maybe you return to climbing and you accept that you just have a base level of fear that that you will reach mm-hmm. at a certain height or sketchiness and that it's not like Babsy's situation or, or or many other people's where you can get through it you can get over it. maybe that's just your limit yeah maybe your challenge is to enjoy climbing below that and within that 
and just yeah. enjoy your, you know, and accept. Maybe that's not it. Maybe you yeah. get beyond that, but you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. No, I, I I've, I've kind of, I've realized that I'm probably will never quit anything. If that makes sense. Like I haven't had a motorcycle in years, but I still like, yeah. Yeah. Want to, you know, if I get a chance to ride a bike, I'm going to ride it like it and have a yeah. good time. Yeah. And with climbing, I'm, I'm waiting. It's, it's almost like it feels like there needs to be a season again that opens up where it just makes sense for me to go sure. do it. Yeah, and, um, but I, but I had so many injuries from climbing so long that, that, that break she talked about, like her back, you know, she had a serious, serious spine yeah. compression and injury. Yeah. And ultimately she said, the only thing I could do is just not climb for a while and do nothing. And I think that like my, my arms and shoulders feel the best they have had since I've been an adult because of climbing. And so it's, it's kind of, you know, I'm a little nervous about returning to that, but I also know because of what I've been doing, the exercise I've been doing that I'm like kind of the most stable I've ever been physically, like my shoulders, core, arms, hip, you know, it's, it's feeling great. I'm loving yeah, it. Right now. But a plus it's probably a matter of degree, you know, it's yeah. like if, what if you just, you were climbing five days a week and then you climbed once every two weeks yeah, know, or once a week or a little bit, you know, yeah. a fifth as much as you did, but it's every day. Like, I just think there's so many ways to adjust and refit things that we loved and maybe abused in the past back yeah. into our lives. Like now, for a long time, I didn't run because I just liked walk. Same thing you said. I just liked yeah. walking around without hurting. Like <laughs> right. Walking became such yeah. a joy. Yeah. And now I can go for like maybe a one or two mile run. Right. And I'll, I feel spry, feel young. I feel great. I get the endorphins, but I only have to do it about once every two weeks. <laughs> it's great. I love it. Yeah. I used to need to go for a 10 mile run six days a week, you know, oh to get my fix. Was that right? Was that, did it feel like you were, you had to like, but you know, bite off more every time. It was just you had to take a bigger scoop to get that pretty same much. place. Yeah, huh. pretty much. I huh. mean, I mean, I wouldn't say it's that that like uh, much like that experience of drugs. But okay. yeah, but yeah, I, I'm greedy. Like, there's a part mm. of my mind that if I neglect other aspects of my life, is insatiable, and I still yeah. do it. Right now, it expresses itself most most clearly through stretching. Cause I'm like regaining some mobility and some flexibility yeah. in my life that I haven't had for a long, long time, but I'll do, it. I, I stretch a few and move myself a few times a day. And one of them is right before bed. I usually have a whiskey or a beer or something. I'm really <laughs> loose in my body, take a shower, you know, and I'll get into it. We were, you and I were talking about just forward bends, you know, stretching our hammies Dude. and I'll fucking get into a stretch and it's like deeper and deeper and deeper. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm in uncharted territory, but I'm greedy for more, man. It's just like you fucking tweaker. Just like, yeah, uh, go that, to bed. That stretch before bed, I think is as good as any drug I've ever taken for sleep. It is, it is so agree. powerful. And I, yeah, sure. I can't, I can't get in bed unless I've done some stretching. Like I feel so discombobulated if I get in bed and I could feel the tightness in my legs or lower back or whatever. I got to do it. It's the best. Do you ever overstretch though? I mean, do you ever hurt yourself overstretch? stretching? No, dude. Oh, really? I no. do. I, yeah. Some of my worst injuries have been because of overstretching. Oh, interesting. Just go too far into something. Yeah. I've definitely overused like trying to get strong. Like I've done, you know, I've hurt myself doing even pull-ups, you know, but, um, but not overstretching. Yeah. Well, what's, uh, I thought that was pretty awesome that she came on with us and that she hung out for quite a while 
And when it was time for her to go, she was like, let's keep going. That's always a compliment. Yeah. I was glad yeah, she seemed yeah. like she got comfortable. And I just, I really appreciated that she was very, uh, just like, a. there's that thing when you meet like people who are kind of famous and whatever, where you're like, oh, they're just a person. It's like, yeah, I get that. I've got yeah. that for quite a while. But I really was grateful that she spoke of her fears yeah. so candidly um, and normalized. She seems like she's normalizing some things that would be easy in some worlds to be to avoid because you don't want to seem weak or something like that. Yeah, I think also um, this is a wild guess around the climbing community. I, I don't know if this is true, what I'm about to say, but my but I wonder if people of that level and especially folks who are uh, quote unquote pros, you know, they've got their, they've got a full time yeah. living. I wonder if that it gets difficult and draining and like hard on the brain and mind, like, cause your cause your success is equated with your ability to, to um, tick these routes. In other words, to like do these crazy hard things all the time. And, and I wonder if it becomes like, like a sing, you know, singer songwriter writing a really good hit and they got to go do it again. You know, they've got a three album contract and everyone's got to be a banger and it that pressure. And it seems like she's like um, short circuited that pressure immediately yeah. by retaining her job, having great boundaries with her partner around their, their time together. Yeah. And so, and like her food, the way she eats, like, she's just like, yeah. seems like, or even the way we, when we asked her about meditation, she's like, nah, I'm, I'm hopeless. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's probably what almost all of us should say. You know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that should be the answer with every single one of us. Yeah. Well said, one, of, one of my favorite books is a book called reincarnation blues hmm. and it's a really good book. It's funny hmm. and it's uh, thoughtful uh, and it's, it's well-written and it's about long story short, this guy who lives in, He's on his 9,996th life. And in this world, everyone, every soul gets 10,000 lives. And if you don't reach enlightenment by 10,000 lives, then you get canceled, deleted, you're done. No more going back. And so, yeah, but he doesn't find this fact out until five lives to go. And so now he's like, (laughs) oh, shit. (laughs) But it starts, the first scene is him in his 9,996th life. And he's kind of like a pretty sage 55 year old guy and he lives on a beach and he fishes but really he gives people advice because everyone knows he's really wise and i love and and i love her comment about meditating really reminds me of his comment about meditating which is he sits down in the morning to meditate and he lasts about five seconds and then he goes and then the the narrator goes but he was a pretty crappy meditator. So he cracked a beer at seven o'clock in the morning and went fishing, you know, it's just like, Solid. thank you. You know, yeah. meditation is just awful. It's almost like the big trick of meditation is recognizing that everyone is terrible at it. <laughs> uh, well, I was, I was out on a quick run this morning and I, um, I was thinking about the time it takes to get good at something or the time it takes to get, um, uh, that we think we don't have, right? Right. Like whenever you ask someone how they're doing, almost always it's some form of so busy, just so busy right now. Like I, I, it feels so full. And, and as, as, as I was running, I thought this is a, I'm following this plan. I found some plan that is like not based on mileage, but a number of minutes that you run per run. And so there's no, no, like, you know, you don't need to keep a pace or anything like that. 
And, um, but I was thinking about my phone and how many minutes a day I waste on my phone. Right. And wait, 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 are you really waste? Hold on, hold on. (laughs) Cause I thought if I ever, when I, when I get back to that point of thinking, I don't have time, I'm going to fucking open up my phone and see how much time I've wasted. Because there's my shit. There's that's where I can fit it in, right? And that's where I can like step in there. I mean, when I was, no. th- come on, dude, <laughs> help me out here. Which no, she was because your about- time is relaxing. That's what you're doing on your phone. You need that time. Do you want? Do you want me to support, dude? And I'm I'm kind of okay. playing devil's advocate a little okay, bit, but like okay. you need a fucking steam valve that can like release where you're you you are wasting time. That's okay. Okay. But you drive yourself bonkers if every minute of every day is like Dan Pena level of productive. Yeah, I don't need that. But I do need <laughs> to have moments in my day where I am doing something that's moving my life towards my bigger goals. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where people get stuck. That's my point. It's like there's everybody has something in their life where they like want to apply for a job that's different than the one they're at. Yeah. They want to like. Yeah pick up that hobby that they've been thinking about a long time. They want to, you know, whatever. And, and when I was listening to her talk about the insane effort it took in Pakistan to, to get, just to get to the beginning of the route, yeah, 50 hours in that gully, I was like, we, we don't, you know, we don't often know if we knew how, how much it would, how much effort it would take to go do something, maybe it would be better. Like, Hey, this is going to take a long ass time. It's going to be really hard. It's going to be really unpleasant. If you, but if you do it, you get up there or, you know, if you, if you just pay for it, would you be willing to do it? And I'm kind of, she said it at least twice in some form. And she goes, you have to be in love with the process. And what she's really saying is like, I love fucking, you know, wallowing in misery in a gully as much as I like any other part of this. And, and that's, I think where you and I have been like, kind of like, you know, slowly dancing around that part of our life for a while where we're finally getting into it. I'd say like, we're actually like settling into that. Like, this is the process. It's, it, it's kind of gut wrenching. It's sometimes it's monotonous, but damn, it moves us forward. And when we do it, it feels damn good. Yeah, and really recognizing where you're at. And I, I hear you about the time on your phone thing because uh, in, in the story you're telling, the thing that you're wanting to make time for is running. And that is something that if you do have time and that can breathe and you can spend that 60 minutes running, you know, not trying to click off a certain amount of mileage, that can be your release valve. You know, that can yeah. be a better release valve than maybe maybe half of those minutes on the phone, you know? I just also am a proponent of, well, in the process you and I have given our lives to, which is kind of authentic living, balanced living, you know, thriving, you know, Um, I think that, that loving that you spend too, too many hours on the phone and that that's where you're at. And let's, let's make that two hours too many down to, down to hour 50 you know, and like, that's a success. Awesome. And I'm just all about that process and it being okay. And I have a good example of that's a short one and it has to do with the phone. Mm. I like to take my, I like to take breaks from my phone. I'm sorry. I don't like it. I hate it, but (laughs) I think it's important. And so I was like, I'm going to set a timer for one hour and I'm going to set it over and over and over all day long. 
And mm. every hour I can check my phone for five or 10 minutes. Yeah. And then it's down for 50 minutes to win. I'm not looking at that, looking at it. And then the next hour hits, ding, it goes off. I'll look at my phone again. And I was like, mm. that's a cool plan. I get to use yeah. my phone all day still, but I take 50 minute breaks. Easy. Not easy. Total fail. On that one. <laughs> <laughs> and I went down from doing it like to check it off in my little integration list that I, that yeah. I do to do like, to do, I would check it off if I did it all day long, never got checks. And I was like, maybe I need to lower my standards, which is really hard for me to do. Mm. So I did. And now it's not even that I, that I complete even one of those. It's just that I pick my phone up once a day and I start that time, you know, just give myself a shot at completing one hour of taking a break, you know? Mm. And if I do that, I get a check. And, and then when I check that off enough times then I'll, I'll, I'll up it. But I kind of was like, that's cool. You know, like, Another person who's a little harder on themselves, maybe they yes. say they would fail. But for me, I think that that's where I'm at and that's the process and that's okay. I want to deep dive on that uh, with you <laughs> and we'll have to save it for another time because um, I think a lot of us suffer from being really hard on ourselves. Agreed. One and, of yeah. And, and, and knowing your story through both our conversations, but, uh, but then also your writing like you were, you had a period of your life as a runner where you were like to say you were hard on yourself would probably be a kind of an understatement. It's cracking the whip. All yeah. Day. It's so awful. Uh, I want to talk about that sometime about your journey into being nicer to yourself and, and gentler on your existence. Yeah. I'd love to talk about it with you. Cause I know you have a lot of that, uh, of that experience too. And it's been a little different than mine, but it's when you're around a society that everyone's really hard on themselves in the wrong mm. ways and not hard enough on themselves in, yeah. the, in you know, also the wrong ways, yeah. it's confusing, you know, and I shouldn't say everybody, but it's rampant. You know, there's other areas in my life where I don't give myself that allowance. You know, it's, I've given too much of that allowance in the past. Now it's time to get mm. busy. You know, mm-hmm. it's yeah, just, I, that I mean, can't yeah. apply that to every little fucking part of my life. No. I go crazy. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's interesting. I'm, I, I conserve and I apply my diligence and my discipline acutely and carefully instead of just like applying it to my whole life. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Dan, thanks for, um, thanks for putting this together, man. I couldn't do it without you. We're talking about yeah. You're the yeah. one that came up with Babsy. Well, I, I, you know, I sent you a list of people and you've, you've been bringing it home, man, like super well. So yes. awesome. Thank uh, you that's amazing. And Babsy was an, an awesome guest. And I, I don't care who lo- loves it. I had such a good time talking to her and being inspired by what she's doing. Did you um, feel like you get to scratch your climbing itch a little bit? Yeah, man. I, I actually like when I was getting prepared for this call and watching her stuff, I'm like, I, I, here's how I got, here's how I got started climbing, Daniel. I got started climbing being a seven or eight year old boy in Roswell, New Mexico. And I saw uh, something on TV that was like some kind of like wild world of sports or something around climbing. And I immediately went outside and started climbing my fence and like would get up on my roof, my house and just climb whatever I possibly could. And then fast forward a few years later in the, in like 1994, uh, a woman named Lynn Hill was the first woman to free climb El Capitan, uh, first person ever in history to do it. And, and Lynn Hill is considered like the matriarch of modern climbing. Very, 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 very famous, accomplished person. It took, it took climbers, a male climber, another 20 years to go complete what she'd done. 
Like that's how ahead of the game it was. Yeah. It's super (laughs) badass. Yeah. Yeah. We should get Lynn Hill on here sometime. Um, and, and that, that lit me up because I have, I am always the kind of guy that if I, I don't know anything about sports, but if I'm watching sports, I immediately root for the underdog. I don't like, I'm just into it. And I love come up stories and I love underdog stories. And, and when the, um, the thing you think shouldn't be, the thing happens, happens. And Lynn Hill was that man. I mean, she was a very accomplished. I want to say she wasn't, she was already an amazing climber, but no one thought a woman could do it. And she faced a lot of like real sexist shit in that process. And she was fucking badass about it. You know, she, her quote afterwards was it goes boys. And that was a direct, (laughs) you know, fucking, you know, kick in the face to the men. It goes boys. Like it went like, I just, Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what a nice little moment at the end of that for her. Yeah. It goes, boys. That's three words that echo in climbing lore, I assume. It oh they totally have. They're still <laughs> considered. Goes, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so um that's what got me into climbing and still inspires me. And I felt some of that watching Babsy climb because she's pushing the limit so hard, but having so much fun as she's doing it. Um, there was a video a couple of years of her and another young woman climbing um, in the Alps on really, really difficult terrain. And to watch them, uh, I mean, like the, at the, you know, you could consider it the, the edge, the edge of what's possible. And, um, and they were climbing a route that was the guy who put it up was like known as kind of being like a sadist, like, like you get on his shit and you're going to be afraid and it's dangerous. Mm. And, um, and to see these two women, laughing having a good time you know talking about it afterwards i was like that's that is we need to see that we need to see people face hard things not take it so seriously to to enjoy it to really enjoy the process and at the same time because i watched her her video this morning it it brought me to tears several times Mm. and it wasn't the laughter and stuff like that it was Mm. that she would climb something the narrator, which I think was her, was doing mm-hmm. a really good job of talking about how much it took to get to this place. And by yeah. the time you're watching, the filming was really good. You're like, and you can see from like a couple feet above where her hand is, her reaching, and you can really see yeah. what she's trying to do. Yeah. And then she would fall and you would watch her fall, you know, 20 feet. Dude, no, those and were monster falls. She was saw, pissed, yeah. man. She was yeah. like, not pissed. She was really disappointed and really yeah. upset. And yeah. there was a sense of loss, you know? Yeah. So there's that too. But, wow. uh, but this, but then the set, I watched the same video and then the yeah. second later, she's on the ground looking up, thinking about it and smiling. There's life, man. And I was like, that's it. It all belongs in her ability yeah. to switch b- between yeah. those modes of like nice. feeling the feelings of like, I remember her calling out Shisa, you know, like that she fell. <laughs> and that was perfect. And then and then she, I think even says in that video, like, you've got to love the process and is looking up at it and is like looking at it, ad, you know, admiringly, like that's, that's beautiful, man. That's yeah. like, that's, that's the real deal. Well that's said, amigo. Yeah. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, Babsy. See you guys later. Adios. Adios. Adios.